welcome. Thank you for welcoming us into your space of service this morning. It's good to spend this time together. Yeah, and it's an honor like to be in the spaces that you are compared to inviting people in spaces that that I'm in or Mariana is in. It's, it's so much fun to have this digital platform. So um, there are things that, that you're able to do on here um, that, that like, please, please, please take advantage of it. There's the, 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 the opportunity to have someone pray over you. Just click the prayer button. There are people behind it. Who's behind it? Me and Mariana, they're actually here. Um, <laughs> so please talk to us. Uh, the, the opportunity to engage the service during the times that the services are happening. There's a chat. It's going to be over here. Um, so, so please engage that. It's fun. Um, yes. So, yeah. We love connecting with you guys online. And if you're not watching it on Sunday morning, all throughout the week, shoot us emails. Go to the website. Message us. We love to engage in conversations with our community. Yeah, and it's just fun. And church is supposed to be fun. So engage it. Yeah, yeah. So there's so much going on here at Christ Community and throughout this year, what a journey 2020 was. And we've been highlighting just some of the ministries that uh, have been happening. So we want to show you another one today. So take a look at this one. I mean, I guess just when that first order from, you know, that like stay at home, that's when it really was real to me. I was kind of in denial up to that point. And so we quickly made the decision, okay, well, you know, if people aren't familiar with using the virtual platforms out there, let's try to empower people with that. And it was super encouraging to see like almost every one of our groups jump into that, whether they had any experience with it or not. Our leaders were going to find a way, our groups were going to find a way to still have that connection. So that went from a moment of kind of this uncertainty for me of like, oh man, what does this look like for groups to this encouragement of groups are going to be fine. And I can't say this is every group story because there's challenges for groups. There's ones that have health concerns, but the most encouraging thing to me has been to see like for so many groups that like this is not only their church, um, but it's the family. Or maybe when other groups were starting to move away from Zoom and be in person and other leaders or other group members wanted to do the same, but there were some other people in their group that weren't ready to do that. And so see them being willing to stay in the virtual platform to accommodate the needs of the people that are part of it. So just the adaptability and the grace that they've shown each other as well as the family has been very encouraging. There wasn't like a specific verse, but it was more like, what do I believe the church truly is? Is the church a building? Is the church a worship service? Or is the church people? People who follow Jesus. This was a common theme throughout this country, that the church was still taking place in people's homes. The church was still taking place by the members of the church coming together. And so that promise, I believed, and I feel like I only believe it more now, seeing it fulfilled through this time. I think there could be people out there that maybe aren't a part of a community right now that think, well, this surely isn't the time to join a small group. I guess I would love people to hear that I think this is the perfect time 
to be in community. This, it might take creativity to carry out what that's going to look like, but I absolutely believe that God doesn't want any of us to be alone through this. And so for anybody that might be thinking, I'll just wait till this passes, I would encourage you to uh, challenge that and to think, you know, this is the perfect time to go out, find a community, build a community, be a part of one. And you just might have to be creative in what that looks like. All of this is possible because of the gen generosity that you have given towards the church and through what God is doing through you. Um, so thank you. If you are in a place that, that your heart is being moved to give, there's several options that you're able to do here. There's uh, the opportunity to text to give, plus there's a giving button down over here. Um, just press that giving button and that will give you the opportunity to sign up to give. Yeah, that's so good. Well, also this week we get to the fourth week of Advent when we It's my favorite. Yeah, KJ, that's, that's KJ. It's my thing. I love being here celebrating K, uh, <laughs> Advent with you, KJ. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, and today is the week of joy. We get to light the fourth candle. And we do that as we meditate in what this means. What does the Bible say about joy? So I want to read this scripture um, for us to be meditating on from Matthew 2, 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm gonna, going to pray over our time together as God brings us into this season of joy. Jesus, Thank you for the spaces that you are inviting us into. Thank you for the conversations that you have begun in our hearts. Please speak to us and guide us and show us all the things that you are doing. In Christ I pray. Hey everybody, it is really good to be here with you wherever you are right now. So the only time that my wife has ever lied to me was when our kitchen faucet was leaking. Uh, I tend to get pretty obsessive anytime something in my house is not working as it should be. And it's difficult for me to find rest and be at peace until I've fixed whatever it is that's broken and got it back to working as it should be. And there was this week where it was kind of like this perfect storm of a week where there was all these things happening and I was feeling stressed out and overwhelmed by all I had to get done. And during that week, my wife, Allie, she opened up the cabinet door and she saw underneath the sink and she saw this pool of water there that shouldn't have been there. And she noticed that the faucet was slowly dripping. But instead of saying anything, 
she thought about it and decided to just shut the cabinet door and pretend that she had not seen what she just saw. And this was actually such an act of love towards me because she knew that if I knew the kitchen faucet wasn't uh, working properly, I would have dropped everything I had going on until it was fixed and it would have totally derailed my whole week. All of us, to one degree or another, maybe not as obsessively as me, we tend to get frustrated when things are not as they should be. When the check engine light comes on in the car, when the power goes out, when a package doesn't arrive on time, when the internet's not working, when the bachelorette quits in the middle of the season. Like, that shouldn't happen. It's frustrating. And this year has been frustrating. Uh, maybe a good title for this year could be things are not as they should be. And sometimes things can become not as they should be to such an extreme extent that we begin to worry if things will ever be as they should be again. In the series, Fear Not, we're kind of touching on these different fears that we might be sharing right now. And one of those is this fear that things will get so bad that they will become unfixable. And like the economy may never recover or fear that the climate will go past the point of no return, that America will never be the same again, that hospitals will become overwhelmed. Maybe you're worried your small business won't survive this or if your sick friend will pull through. And with that fear over time, this hopelessness begins to set in and we begin to believe deep down and just accept that things will never be as they should be again. One of my favorite words in any language is this Hebrew word that actually means the opposite of all that. It's the word shalom. And in the Bible, in English translations of the Bible, we typically translate this word shalom to the English word peace. But that's not quite good enough in my opinion because shalom it means so much more than just peace shalom means completeness and wholeness it is a word that describes when everything is as it should be in the very beginning when god created everything and called everything good and it was perfect he stopped creating when he had finished what he had set out to do and he rested and in that moment that was shalom Anytime we fix something that is broken and get it back to working as it should be, even if it's just like replacing batteries in a remote control, that sense of satisfaction when we see it working as it should, that sense of satisfaction is shalom. When it's Christmas morning and we're holding a cup of hot chocolate and we look out the window and it starts to gently snow outside, that is shalom. And that word shalom is hidden inside of a phrase which is hidden inside of a verse that we read almost every year around Christmas time. It's a verse we've been looking at a lot lately. It's Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and it goes like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That phrase, Prince of Peace, is a phrase that we use to describe Jesus almost every Christmas. I see it pop up from time to time, but the Hebrew translation of that phrase is Sar Shalom. So Shalom, again, is this word that describes everything as it should be, but that title of Prince, we don't 
really know what to do with that in the modern day. It's not a title we come across that often or know how to understand. When I think of a prince in my mind, I picture this very pale, malnourished man in tights waving like this and waiting for his parents to die. But that is not what this means at all. When this was written, the title of prince had nothing to do with being royalty. Prince was a word that describes someone who is incredibly capable, someone who had come with power and authority to get a job done. When a prince arrived, you knew that things were about to happen. In any of the Batman movies, if someone was getting beat up in an alleyway, if you saw Batman silently drop down behind them to surprise them, you knew in that moment that the Prince of Justice had just arrived. Anytime Darth Vader made an entrance in the Star Wars movies, but especially in the last scene of Rogue One, where he turns on his lightsaber in that dark hallway, you knew in that moment that the Prince of Wrath has just arrived. If Santa was to crawl out of your fireplace, you would know in that moment that the Prince of Christmas had just arrived. Both times that my wife went into labor, we went to the hospital and we got checked into a room and we waited in that room for hours for the labor to progress and the nurses were keeping in contact with our doctor about the status of things. But both times there was always this moment where the door to our room opened and our doctor walked in and we knew that everything was about to change because with power and authority, the prince of delivering babies had just walked into the room and things were about to happen and they did. A prince is someone who comes with power and authority to get a job done. And on Christmas day, Jesus was born. The prince of Shalom had arrived to come and put everything back together as it should be. So in a time where all of us can tangibly feel that things are not as they should be, I think it's important for us to talk about how the Prince of Shalom, how Jesus has brought Shalom to our past, our present, and our future. So going to our past as far back as it can go, in the very beginning when God had created all things and it was good, one of the things that was exactly as it should be was our relationship with God. Adam and Eve, they had this incredibly close relationship with God. It was almost unimaginable. It says that they walked in the garden together, but that relationship got broken. And since then, things have not felt right between us and God. Since then, anytime we do something wrong, something that we know that God definitely would not want us to do, we get the sense of guilt and shame and we start to wonder if we deserve to be close at all to God. And we start to wonder if God would even want to have anything to do with us. We start to sense this distance between us and God. We feel that things between us and God are not as they should be. But on Christmas, the Prince of Shalom arrived to put things back together as they should be. And on that night when Jesus was born, there was this group of angels that shared the gospel for the very first time with a group of shepherds. But to understand the full magnitude of what they told them, we need to get the full picture here. Because these shepherds, when they were kids, they grew up maybe around 10 or 20 BC. In, in that time period, it had been 400 years since God had picked a prophet to speak to his people. God had essentially been silent for four 
centuries. And the general perception was God had been silent that long because he was displeased with them. On top of that, these shepherds, they grew up as kids under Roman occupation. Rome was in control of Israel, and there was this group of priests called Pharisees who were convinced that they were under occupation because, again, God was displeased with them. As kids, the shepherds, they would probably go with their families to the temple and offer sacrifices to God. But when they asked, their parents told them that they could never, ever go inside the temple to meet God. And they probably got the impression that maybe God was displeased with them. Otherwise, he would want to see them. And growing up, these kids, they grew up in shepherding families. This is what their parents did. And shepherding was not an ideal occupation. It it was kind of looked down upon. It didn't pay very well. It was dirty. And their friends probably told them that their family were shepherds because they had lost favor with God. They must have done something that caused God to become displeased with them. But that's okay because if these shepherds were boys from ages 6 to 10, they would get to go to uh, their Hebrew Bible school and, and learn the Torah. And if they did well enough these first four years, they would get to advance to the next level of their education, which was a really ideal thing. But every single one of them, when they turned 10, they were told that they weren't good enough to move forward and they should go home and learn their family's profession, which was shepherding. And so these kids became shepherds, which they had grown up being told was the symbol of God's displeasure towards them. And then one night, while they were watching their sheep, they were surprised by an angel who appeared in front of them and after all that, the angel said this in Luke chapter 2, 10 through 14. The angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, shalom among those with whom he is pleased. If you didn't catch it, This group of shepherds who had been told their whole life over and over and over and over that God is displeased with them were just told by these angels that God is pleased with them and he wants them to visit him. The Prince of Shalom has come to make everything right again. And Jesus has made things right between us and God. Look at Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's possible that these shepherds, as soon as they found Jesus, they knew how he was going to accomplish this. Because some scholars find it odd that these shepherds were keeping their sheep in fields instead of the outskirts of town. And it was even odd that they were paying so much diligent attention and were so protective of their sheep. It's a little bit more than the common shepherd. The only shepherds that would be doing these things are the shepherds who were in charge of raising sheep for temple sacrifices. 
And some scholars even believe that it was a practice of these special shepherds that any time uh, a sheep was about to give birth, they would bring it into the stable. And when the lamb was born, they would swaddle it and place it in a pile of hay in a manger so that it wouldn't get injured because it was so precious. If this is true, when they found Jesus swaddled and lying in a manger, they saw something that they had seen a hundred times before, and they probably understood what Jesus had come to do. Jesus came to sacrifice himself in our place. He came to take on our sin and suffer the consequence of it so that things could be made right between us and God. All we have to do to accept this gift is accept it by putting our faith, our trust in Jesus. Are you convinced that God is displeased with you? Are you filled with guilt and shame? Do you believe that he wants nothing to do with you? I've got good news for you of great joy for all people, including you. Jesus came to make things right between us with God who actually loves you very, very much. Jesus, the Prince of Shalom, arrived to bring shalom to our past by making things right between us and God. But he's also bringing shalom to our present. Another thing in the very beginning that quickly became not as it should be was our relationship between us and each other. It didn't take long at all for the first murder to occur in the very beginning of all things. And that began a long, long history of violence and war and crime and injustice and brother and sister mistreating brother and sister. But then Jesus came and the Prince of Shalom taught us a new way. He taught us how to love God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength, but he also taught us how to love each other as if we would want to be loved ourselves. Jesus even said, a new command I give you to love one another like I have loved you. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And knowing our severely limited capacity to be able to love like Jesus loves, he gave us help. He gave us more than just help. He gave us the Holy Spirit who fills us with a love that is so far beyond our capacity so that we could join Jesus in putting things back together as they should be. Now, I don't want to get too caught up in how, especially because we just finished a series before this one called Healing Justice. Maybe my favorite teaching series we've ever done at Christ Community. It's incredible, and it talks really well about some of the ways in which we get to join Jesus in putting things back together as they should be. If you weren't here for it, if you haven't listened to it, you should check it out online. But to sum up, the Prince of Peace didn't arrive and say, step aside, I'm going to fix everything myself. But he invited us to join him and he filled us with the Holy Spirit so that we could become agents of shalom, joining Jesus and putting things back together as they should be. I cannot think of a more purposeful or exciting way to live my life. What an incredible gift that is. So Jesus, the Prince of Shalom, has come and brought shalom to our past by making things right between us and God, and he's bringing shalom to our present through you, 
and the Holy Spirit by love, making things right between us and each other. Regardless, there are a lot of things about our present right now that do not feel as they should be. This year has really pulled the curtain back on how death and illness have always been a thing, how people have always been terribly mistreated, of how there has always been conflict and division and hatred towards one another. Things are not as they should be. These things are just so potent right now that we can't ignore them like we used to. So in a world that is so tangibly not as it should be, how could we possibly experience this shalom now? Well, Jesus says that we actually can experience this shalom. But the thing is, when we think about a lack of peace in our lives, we usually attribute that to the circumstances in our life that are taking that peace away from us. But Jesus says that he has a peace to offer that comes far beyond from our present circumstances. He says it like this in John chapter 16, 33. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Again, this is tricky because normally when I'm asking God for peace, I'm asking for him to take away the things in my life that are taking peace away from me. But Jesus makes it really clear here that we are going to suffer hard times, but we can still experience his peace because it comes from beyond our present circumstances. He said it a different way in John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled Neither let them be afraid. So yes, we can in fact experience peace and shalom now in our present circumstances. It's just the peace of Jesus is not rooted in the present, but it's rooted in a future that hasn't happened yet. But Jesus promises will happen. This is hard to wrap our minds around, but Jesus is inviting us to live now in the reality of the not yet. He's inviting us to live now in the reality of the not yet. The peace and the shalom that we can experience in our current circumstances comes from a future that hasn't happened yet. Look how he phrased the Beatitudes in Luke chapter 6, 20 through 23. He said it like this. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets." If you are weeping now, you are blessed because you will laugh. If you are hungry now, you are blessed because you will be satisfied. The fear that sets in is that things will never be as they should be again. But 
no matter what we're facing right now that is not as it should be, we can find shalom in Jesus because he promises a future in which God makes everything back to as it should be. Look what God showed John in the book of Revelation. I actually want you to close your eyes and just listen to these words. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. You can open your eyes. How sweet do those words sound right now. Jesus promises that this will happen. And he's inviting us to live now in the shalom of the not yet. Think about the last wedding you went to. Do you remember the moment where the bride came down the aisle and joined her groom at the very front? At the very beginning of the ceremony, they had not been married yet. But do you remember the way that they were looking at each other? They were living now in the reality of the not yet just as Jesus invites us to do. Like the moment a couple who's been trying hard to get pregnant finds out that they're going to have a baby. Jesus invites us to live now in the reality of the not yet. Like a little kid excited on Christmas Eve, Jesus invites us to live now in the reality of the not yet. I know things are not as they should be. But the Prince of Peace has come and he has brought shalom to our past and making things right between us and God. And he is bringing shalom to our present through you and the Holy Spirit by love, making things right between us and our brothers and our sisters. And he invites us now to experience the reality of shalom by living now in the reality of the not yet because he has secured a future that is the fullness of shalom for us. And he has brought shalom to our future. I know things are not as they should be, but I have good news of great joy for all people For unto us a Savior was born. He is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, shalom among those with whom he is pleased. Would you please pray with me? With our eyes closed, I'd like us to do something together. If if you feel comfortable, I think the physical act that embodies the heart of shalom the most is taking a deep breath. 
So what I would like to do is just read bits and pieces of some of the passages that we looked at. And after I do that, I'd like us to just take a deep breath together as a small way of practicing living now in the reality of the not yet. So in a heart of prayer with your eyes closed, just listen to these words before we do that. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Let's take a deep breath together. Jesus, Prince of Shalom. Thank you for coming and rescuing us. Thank you for bringing peace between us and God. Thank you for teaching us how to become peacemakers by filling us with your Holy Spirit. Help us to see the things that are not as they should be around us and not run away but move towards it knowing that you have made us agents of shalom and invited us to join you in putting things back together as they should be through love. And Jesus, thank you that no matter what we face right now, we can be full of joy and experience shalom knowing no matter what happens, everything will be made right again. You will put things back together just as they should be. If we're honest, we've been experiencing moments that cause us to long for that day. But as we wait, would you help us to live now in the reality of the not yet? Prince of Shalom, thank you. Amen. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing all the praise. And the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. And Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joy?
some tidings be which inspire your heavenly songs and glory and it shall cease so good. In fact, there's a ton here that um, probably a bunch of us should go back and pull apart some of his points and poetry. Or, so if there are specific questions that you have, feel free to contact him at stetsonb at cccgreeley.org. Yeah, I'm sure he would love to connect with you guys. He would love it. Yes. Uh, I want to, as we get to the end of our time together, I would love to dismiss you with a blessing. So receive this blessing over you. My friends, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace and joy and love and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great week.
echoing their joyous strains. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Wild joyous strains prolong. What the glad tidings be, which inspire your favorite songs. And oh, 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 oh,